Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Please subscribe to my podcast so that I can keep providing you with awesome new content and great episodes. And overall, I am really trying to give people um, a lot of bonus episodes too so that you have something for when you subscribe. And the most recent one that I did was on why reality TV is actually very educational and psychologically beneficial for both you and your relationship, particularly if you are an adult child of a dysfunctional family. So you really want to subscribe and check out that episode. Um, And the reality TV shows that I mention, uh, like Love is Blind, you may like them, you may not, but I think I will give you something to think about in that episode for why maybe you should not condescend to reality TV if you uh, do now or if you're the partner of a person who likes reality TV, why maybe you should start watching it with them when they want you to. Um, All right, so what I want to talk about today is the idea of the 100% marriage. And what I mean by that is there is this idea that like everybody gives 50% in a healthy marriage and that equals to 100 and that really doesn't work. So what I want to talk about instead is the idea that if everybody, both people give 100% in the marriage, that this actually is the only thing that adds up to a healthy marriage. And um, this counters really a lot of our society's assumptions about the importance of the individual versus the unit. And I mean, there there is a reason why so many marriages end in divorce. And that I feel like is re- is related to this Western emphasis on the individual versus the collective, which we don't see as much in other cultures, right? And while it's all well and good for people to be self-actualized, the idea of um, looking out for yourself and looking out for number one at all costs is really... Um, sabotages, it really sabotages most marriages. So that is really what I want to discuss. And it's really relevant when people say, yeah, well, I don't want to start trying on XYZ until my partner does. So until they start trying on their end. So women that say, well, I don't want to start trying to have better sex with him until he's nicer to me. And then men who say, well, I won't be nicer to her until she's having sex with me, right? And so you can imagine both people are equally right, but what does right really get you? It gets you usually divorced, Um, (laughs) but um, at the very least, it gives you a shit marriage, and that is what we're trying to avoid. So what would it really look like if you gave 100% and expected that the other person would rise to the occasion and give 100% or not, and that you just with a full heart decided to be the best spouse that you could be in the same way that you try to be the best parent that you could be and you don't expect your kid to then give 100% at being your kid, and if you do, then that's um, messed up. You know, you should want them to be good and to listen, be respectful, but you're giving 100% because you love them, not because you're expecting a one-for-one linear uh, correspondence in their actions that go with every time you do an action, they do an action. So what would it really look like to be giving 100% 
um, in your marriage and not to be waiting for the other person to give their 50% so you could give your 50%. So what this would mean is that you would really then be doing love languages the way that they were intended. There was an interesting article that came out that I'll see if I could find and link to you guys, I think in the Atlantic, about um, how love languages were originally written by Gary... Chapman, they were originally come up with by Gary Chapman, who's a pastor, to talk about um, ways that you could be a better partner. You were only supposed to care about your partner's love language to know how you could better fill it, more like what we do when nowadays love languages have hit the mainstream so much that we talk about our kids' love languages, right? So it is more like what I'm saying, what the original intent was, but in our culture, and the article discussed this, now everybody's more advertising their own love language. So, you know, they'll say, uh, my love language is physical touch, and therefore my partner should give me physical touch. It was really only intended originally to know what your partner's love language was so that you could give it to them. So this is what it would mean to be giving 100% as a partner. You would now be thinking, what is my partner's love language and how could I do it for them? So it's similar to my article and my podcast episode about what would your partner be like if they got all the physical affection they wanted, but it would be with whatever their love language is. What would be, they be like if they got everything that they wanted or that you could do? How much different would they act and would this be enough to transform your relationship from some tit-for-tat, sort of aggrieved, distant, competitive uh frustrating dynamic to something where you really bothly, bothly, <laughs> both feel that you are getting the love that you always yearned for and that you're able to give that yourself to your partner as well. Think about what your children would learn about love in such a scenario and how much more appealing marriage and relationships would look to your children especially if they have been viewing more of this bickering, standoffish sort of dynamic where each person is really trying to um, jockey for position and get their own needs met and to get at least 50%, but hopefully more, out of any interaction. So what would this look like in terms of um, picking where to go for dinner? Each person would be trying to find what the other person wants to eat for dinner because it really gives a shit what you want to eat for dinner. What would it look like in bed? Each person would be trying to do what the other person wants. And in many cases, this would mean the man is trying to cuddle the woman and give her a back rub. And then the woman's trying to have sex with the man. That would seem like a real nice situation where both per people are trying to do what the other person wants. And I don't mean cuddle before sex. I mean, the man says, yeah, we're probably just going to cuddle because she's tired and I want to give her a back rub because she's tired. And the woman thinks, oh, I really want to give him a nice experience because I love him. You know, I mean, that would actually be, if, if, if a man actually did seem like he didn't want to get anything, he would probably be more likely to get something. But if you say this, if, if that has to be manipulative, then it's crazy making. So I'm not saying that anybody should take this episode to mean, oh, good, another strategy for manipulating my spouse. No, totally not. 
I mean, you would have to get there with a full heart. That man in that situation would have to deeply introspect. Do I love my wife? Yes. So do I want to make her life better? Yes. So does that mean maybe I shouldn't be up her ass for sex all the time? Yes. So therefore, what should I do? I should just cuddle her, talk to her, whatever. And I'm really going to trust to know that if she wants to have sex, she'll tell me. And I'm going to fully give her my love in the way that she wants it, whether that's words of affirmation, acts of service, just cuddle, non-sexual physical touch or whatever. And the woman would probably after a bunch of this treatment start to be like, wow, he's really being nice for a change. And he doesn't seem to be just getting his piece of the pie anymore or trying to. So maybe I really need to think deeply about my sex drive and how to work on it and how to be the wife that this loving man really would thrive with and deserves. This would be two people trying their best to love each other. So if you did not see a marriage like this growing up, it's really hard to imagine that it could be like this. And um, if you saw two people constantly in a power struggle jockeying for position, then it's, it's, it's going to be very different um, than what I am saying. But you probably also learn a lot of shitty things about marriage and that are informing how you are viewing the marriage today. And I've written about the competitive marriage. I could link you to that. And it always comes from what you saw growing up. Like if you saw a father that was really trying to make your mother happy and a mother that was really trying to make your father happy, genuinely, then this stuff is easy peasy and you don't know what I'm going on about because to you, this is understandable. And maybe you're somebody who just follows me for parenting tips, like good, more power to you. But for the majority of people that are trying to listen to ways to improve their marriage, they didn't see a very good marriage growing up. They either saw something emotionally distant or they saw something incredibly enmeshed enmeshed means there's no boundaries and people are like up each other's butts all the time but not in a positive way in a really codependent way I should probably do a podcast episode on codependency because nobody really understands what that means fully it's a real good buzzword but nobody really understands it um, because uh, it means like different things kind of according to whatever sort of um, uh, you know person you're listening to um, it's not an actual diagnosis, by the way, codependency. It's more of a description of a, of a dynamic. And I will just very cursorily tell you that what codependency means is people can't function without each other, but not in a real romantic kind of way, more in like a way that um, is very asphyxiating. You know, it's very stifling. People don't really have lives outside of the relationship in any sort of way. So it's not like two individuals being interdependent which is the ideal, it's more like somebody uh, drinks too much and the other person is always like um, uh, doing stuff for them around the house so that they seem to look like somebody who functions when they're not or somebody has really bad depression but instead of actually treating it, their partner just like um, does everything but complains about it and one person is kind of a child and the other person's an adult. All of my uh, couples you meet in counseling, um, Mr. Perfect and his crazy wife or the ice queen and the martyr, all of those, um, those are really just codependent dynamics of different sorts. But I will do like more of an episode about that if you guys want. 
So anyhow, what I am talking about is something that isn't that. I'm talking about two independent, healthy people that are deeply committed to being in a loving marriage, just like they're committed to being parents. Nowadays, being parents trumps everything. And as I've talked about, that's incredibly child-centered and a lot of burden on the child um, who should really be a little orbiter around the main sun uh, in this planetary analogy of a healthy couple that loves each other. So what can you do just today to see if you can get into this frame of mind? There are many things. You could decide to cook the dinner that your spouse really likes without uh, thinking about what you and the kids want instead. You could give them their love language for 15 minutes without expecting to get anything back. You could even, it may have nothing to do with your spouse. You could reach out and schedule therapy for yourself because you recognize some of your parents in any of the descriptors that um, of codependency or jockeying for position or just basically miserable people who didn't work on their relationship and gave you a bad example of marriage through no fault of their own intentionally but happened to show you a shitty marriage that then it's hard for you to learn what a good marriage is. You could send this podcast to your partner and say, do you think that we do this? Do you want to try? You could introspect deeply about what your children are learning from watching you and your partner. You know, and it's usually if you think, well, what they're learning is like, I'm a good spouse, but my spouse is kind of a jerk. No, you're not introspecting that. You're just being an echo chamber for your preferred narrative. So any sort of deep introspection that's objective can help you be a better partner and parent for that matter and person or actively trying to change a behavior. This is why um, cognitive behavioral therapy is called cognitive behavioral therapy. You change cognitions, but then you also change the behaviors. So anything you could do to either think about your relationship and your role in it differently. Now focus on your problems, like you being selfish, because even the martyr that ostensibly does everything for the other person is getting a lot of gratification and self-worth from that self-conceptualization and frequently they are able to then avoid getting outside their comfort zone or being intimate in other ways because they are doing everything so they're so tired from over-functioning refer back to my over-functioning episode that then they can't do um, whatever the other person really wants you know so use this episode as really uh, a spur to think deeply about whether you are being a partner that is loving in any meaningful way to your partner. Remember, if you're cooking them dinner all the time, but they would much rather have sex, you're not being a good partner. You're just cooking a lot of dinner. And if you are buying your wife a lot of stuff, but you'll never talk to her, and what she really wants is for you to have a deep conversation with her, then you're not being a good guy just because you got her a great car that she would sell in a heartbeat for you know you to talk to her more. So think about who you really are and who you are showing your kids you are in your marriage versus who you want to be. Most people have a deep desire to love and be loved. Are any of your actions hindering your ability to fully love and be loved in this way? And how can you use this model of the 100% marriage to make things better for you? So I hope that that gives you stuff to think about. Please reach out with any questions or things that you want me to cover. 
And again, please subscribe to this podcast. I will try to do some more videos too, because um, if you don't follow me on Instagram, it's doctor.psychmom. I've been doing some Instagram lives, and people seem to like those. It's like everything that I don't like, people like. <laughs> like, I don't like listening to podcasts, people like podcasts. I don't like watching videos, people like videos. What do I like to do? I like to read. That's why I had a blog for so many years, but everybody's a different kind of learner, and I am uh, learning that. That many people like to listen and like to see me talk and hear me talk and that is more how they process the information so that's great and I'm trying then to branch out in those ways to make use of the fact that people learn in different ways and frequently within one couple one will be the reader and one will be the listener and so it doesn't really work for all these women to be sending or sometimes men to be sending their wives uh, my blog post that this person is never going to read. So hopefully these podcasts and videos can fill that gap. And I hope everybody has a great day and I'll talk to you soon.